This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the SoLink Front of the House. And this is Franchise Today on Wednesday, July 10th, 2019, and here's hoping you all had a safe and happy 4th of July holiday. I'm Stan Friedman coming to you from the studios of FRM Solutions right here in the beautiful Buckhead community of Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, we hit a new high watermark last week for instant downloads of this podcast with the Don Fox interview from Firehouse Subs, so I guess that validates what I thought when the interview concluded. Don Fox had a lot to say, and he not only shared it, but you wanted to hear it. So again, many thanks to Firehouse Subs CEO Don Fox for serving up a slice of his life last week right here on Franchise Today. You know, as a company, Firehouse provides a culture that's rich in giving, and Don demonstrated clearly how that starts at the top. He gave us an hour and shared many nuggets. And once again, on behalf of myself and our audience, I thank you again, Don Fox. I can't wait either to catch up today with Briggs Sorber and talk about Two Men in a Truck, its incredible culture as well. It was fostered by Briggs and his brother, John, his mom, Mary Ellen Sheets, his sister, Melanie Bergeron, and the spectacular franchise company that they have built. But before I do, it's time for this week's shout outs to those who are celebrating birthday wishes in the franchise world. Let's kick it all off with my old buddy from Blimpy Days, Marty Welch celebrating his birthday this week, as is Alexandra Dews, head of franchising at Haircut Express and a member of the Ukrainian Franchise Association. A little closer to home, my buddy at Authority Brands, Chip Baranowski, celebrates this week, as does Vasilis Trikopoulos, founder of Top Franchise Concepts in Greece, another good friend from Philly that I met years ago when Ron Feldman made the introduction, Happy birthday wishes this week to Ken Freibowitz. Happy birthday, too, to Peter Maxwell Sessions, CEO of Fewer Hats, Fran Data's president, Edith Wiseman, Buzz Brands development head, Tim Holliday, and our old friend, Tom Epstein at Franchise Payment Network. The lovely Sonia Greenbaum celebrates this week, as does Scott Mortier at Dental Well. A much more manageable list this week, I must say, along with many happy returns. To one and all. Hope I got them all. And now it's time for this week's front of the house. And in the front of the house today, happy to have my good friend, my cohort in podcasting, co-producer, and, and just an all-around uh, expert in the world of digital arts and sciences, Ryan Hicks. Ryan, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good, and I, I like that little introduction, arts and sciences. <laughs> On the fly, man. You never know what's going to come out of the mouth, right? So <laughs> anyway. Well, Ryan's on your podcast now, so watch out. <laughs> so Ryan, here we are to talk about uh, a pretty ambitious undertaking that you were taking on all by yourself. I think you another of our friends in the world of franchising, Zach Fishman, ponied up and, and decided to join you. But let's talk about this 45 or so day road tour that you're embarking upon with 50-plus podcasts with franchise guests featured from all over the country. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, so we are embarking on a very ambitious journey. Um, actually, the idea started, I had some franchise clients that were visiting me in Dallas. And one of the evenings, they said, hey, after we get done with this brutal day of meetings, um, why don't we jump out and go do something like see some live music, etc." So I was on a, a, a website and I saw it was like a Tuesday evening. And I saw that this this group was in town and, you know, I noticed that they're touring around and it just struck me because I was recording a podcast earlier that day in between the meetings. And I said, I just thought, man, what if I brought the podcast, went on the road and went and met with with franchisors and folks in the franchise community? So I, I you know, that kind of idea struck. And then I've, I phoned up Zach Fishman, my good friend, and he's also a co-host on the Modern Business Podcast. He, he, he hosts the millennial, Millennials in Franchising segment. And I, in passing, kind of threw the idea by him and said, hey, instead of going on a summer vacation, let's, what if we hit the road? And then the idea ended up growing a lot of legs. Um, we've, we've got some really amazing sponsors that help make it happen. And we are starting in Dallas and we're making our way around the country for 45 days, meeting with a ton of excellent folks in franchising. So it'll be quite the journey. So leg number one, July 15th through the 19th, sees you in Dallas, Waco, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston. Who are some of the notables that you'll be interviewing on that first leg of the journey? Yeah, so on the, the, the front side, um, we're starting with a, a, someone who's become a friend of mine, Aslam Khan. We're starting at Falcon Holdings headquarters. Um, we've got Nothing Bunk Cakes and Rena Center and a bunch of different folks. Um, on the 17th, it's a, it's a pretty wild day. We're starting at 9.30 a.m. at Fast Signs headquarters. Catherine Monson's going to be on the program. Then we're going to load up, take our video crew, because we're also documenting this whole journey on a daily vlog. I'm launching that on YouTube, um, but we're headed down to Waco. We're meeting with uh, the chief marketing officer of Neighborly Brands and some of the other executives, Lisa Zollner. Um, I think Mary Kennedy is going to pop in and Mary Kennedy Thompson is going to pop in and say hi. She's an alumni on the, on the show. Um, then we're going to go down to Waco, um, and, or excuse me, to Georgetown, right north of Austin, and meet with Gordon Logan and, and team wow. at, at Sport Clips. And so that's all in one day. Uh, the next day, we're, we're going to be down in San Antonio with the, the, the folks at Massage Heights and a couple of other franchise brands, then off to Houston, Christian Brothers Automotive, and then Sprint to Baton Rouge for walk-ons later that Friday afternoon. So it's, we're going to be, we're going to be uh, meeting with a lot of great folks, and it's going to be uh, pretty hectic. And not all parts of the schedule is going to be that hectic, but we stacked the front side since there's a lot of great brands in Texas. So just a quick rundown. We are going to go from the 15th through the 19th in Texas, the 19th to the 22nd, Louisiana. July 23rd through 25th, you're in Memphis and Nashville. You're here in Atlanta, July 25th through 27. Looking forward to seeing that rap bus and you and Zach. Tampa, Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm, Orlando, and Jacksonville, all July 27th through August 2nd, then you're into the Carolinas for August 2nd to the 7th, the 7th and 8th in Virginia 
speech, the 8th through the 12th in Washington, D.C. I don't know if the president will be there, Ryan, but, you know, maybe. We we do. We will. He'll be on. <laughs> August 12th, you're in. The president of IFA, that is, not Mr. <laughs> I just realized you might be Tuesday, I was going for, you know, something that was a little bit <laughs> more like huge, but it's okay. Uh, you're going to wrap it all in Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, the 12th through the 15th, and then New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, the tri-state area. August 15th through 18th, quite an ambitious uh, program. And we're going to be, you know, tracking you around the country and watching the bus tour and checking in with you along the way and looking forward, Ryan, to um, helping you promote this event. As some in franchising already know, we don't see each other as competitors in the world of franchising any more than you and I might in the world of podcasting. Um, I'm here to help and support the good of the order. And I know you the same. And I appreciate all that you do for us here on Chaz today. And we're more than happy to support and help you in this ambitious endeavor and helping to promote it. And of course, franchisors that are interested in jumping in on this, Ryan, are there still interview opportunities available or, and or sponsorship opportunities for that fact? There, there actually are. So in Texas, not so much. You just heard the schedule. We actually just got off the phone with a sponsor that wants in. They're in DFW and we were not going to be able to host to, to, to do it because they want us on site doing some video work. But I'll note, if you're a franchisor or a supplier, we're on the road with a very, very talented audio video team. We literally have a crew of six and so we can capture some video testimonials. We've got a few different things, video work we can do uh, in terms of assets that we can create. And then uh, that's completely separate from the fact that there, there are multiple markets where we do have a little bit of space. And we'd love to host, um, host great folks in franchising, whether you're a supplier or a franchisor. We'd love to host you while we're in town. All right, Ryan, we're going to check in with you along the way. I wish you and Zach Godspeed and uh, be safe on the road this summertime season. And um, we'll be looking for that bus to roll into Atlanta here in just a few weeks. And until then, uh, be safe on the road, my friend. Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much, man. And that, my friends, is the front of the house. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools, that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot-on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Today, I'm joined by someone I believe I may have at some point in time met, but is part of a family that I have long had a close affinity for. 
Briggs Sorber is chief brand officer and one of the two brothers who actually started this incredible company that we're here to talk about today, Two Men and a Truck. He and his brother John started in the early 1980s as a way for both brothers to make some extra money while they were still in high school. Now, 30 years later, the company has grown to more than 350 locations worldwide. This brand has a great story, an incredible culture, and it's all centered upon one great family that I've admired for as long as I've been around the IFA. And that dates back to some years of around 95, 96 for me. Briggs Sorber, it is a real pleasure to welcome you to Franchise Today. Hey, Stan. Thanks for having me. Uh, my heart, my soul is here. My voice isn't, though. But um, I'm uh, honored to be here and honored to talk with you today. Well, your voice, as I shared with you in the green room before we went live, your voice your voice will come back, Brig. This is the one I've got forever. This is the <laughs> one I'm stuck with. It can't blame it on a cold or a sinus. But uh, Both hey, work for you. hope you power through it. Listen, I talk a lot about the culture of two men in a truck. Uh, before I ask you the, the first question that I ask almost every week on this podcast, I just want to spend a second or two unpacking a little bit of that culture that I talked about. The mission of Two Men in a Truck is to continuously, continuously strive to exceed customer expectation in value and high standards of satisfaction. What I love most about your mission statement is the best mission statements I've ever seen are the ones that don't have a lot of words and gobbledygook, but right to the heart of what they're supposed to be all about. Mm -hmm. Has that mission changed through the years, Brig, or has it? It hasn't. Um, And I think that's the beauty of it. Uh, We had that mission statement when we had 40 franchises. Now system-wide, you know, we have almost 400. And what I like about it is it it, it has evolution in it because it exceedingly, you know, to, as, as we move the business forward, things constantly change. I mean, look at, all of the disruptors in our business. And so how we deliver to our customers, a little bit different than how we delivered to them back when you first met my family, Stan. And so we have to stay on that. And we had an outside uh, company come in many years ago. They took a look at our mission statement. They said, how can you continuously strive to exceed expectations? You know, how many times do you move a customer? We said, you know, on average, about seven times in their lifetime. He goes, well, how can you constantly exceed their expectations? And I thought, I have to explain this to you <laughs> because as things change, we, we should also get better at communicating with our customers, taking care of issues with our customers. And how do we do that? By communicating with our customers. So um, I kind of looked at this guy and nicely showed him the door. If, if he couldn't understand that basic philosophy. Right. So to your point, Stan, yep, the mission statement should be uh, short, sweet, and, uh, and it should be something that you should be able to lean on like a wall. Uh, and what I mean by that is if, for instance, a franchise wants to make a change, all right, how does that affect the mission statement? You know, maybe it's uh, they, they might ask and they might say, well, we don't want to cover a franchise might say in the pre-move letter. We don't want to cover wood, wood floors because they scratch so easy. OK, let's line that up against the mission statement. Is that exceeding customer expectations? I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Well, no. Um, so that's really what you have to look at as a mission statement. And I'll tell you, Stan, when we first started doing the mission statement, I thought it was go- gobbledygook. I thought it was just, uh, you know, that political correctness that businesses do. But when I had to start to uh, defend how we do things, 
um, that mission statement's been there time and time again. And that's typically where I start when a decision needs to be made with the company is the mission statement. And then I look, too, at the core values that support that mission statement and about a half dozen bullet points, starting with integrity, to always conduct oneself with honesty and fairness, to give back yep. to the community. And we're going to talk a lot about to give back. The grandma rule, to treat everyone the way you would want your grandma to be treated. Care, to have compassion for family, customers, coworkers, and community. To be your best and have fun, to be the best professionally and personally while enjoying life and having fun. And the mm -hmm. last one touches home for me, inclusion. To welcome people from all backgrounds in the workplace and the community. What a powerful Absolutely. set of core values. Thank you. And it is something that um, that you know that we lean on every day. It does support the mission statement. And you know, to give a little kick to the IFA, that's something that uh, Two Minute Truck and we were a just starting out franchise. Um, they had breakout sessions about mission statements and core values. And uh, so we learned a lot from the IFA on that. Sat down and came up with our own. And those are the ones that we came up with. And what I'm happy about, they've never changed. Um, they're timeless. So if, you have, if, you're, if we're talking with some people here that are just thinking about franchising, your mission statement might be with you for 40 years. You have multiple uh, employees and locations. That mission statement should still be timeless. And to your point, Stan, don't make it so wordy. The best ones, ours isn't even a great one because it's maybe two, three sentences. The best ones are one one sentence that every employee can just rattle off the top of their head. You know, from right there in your home state of Michigan, there is another great guy in the world of training and sales that I've met through the years, a guy named Floyd Wickman. His son actually is pretty famous today. Gino Wickman uh, wrote the book Traction. But Floyd always taught in sales, never sell with blah, 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 when blah right. alone will do. <laughs> so, yeah. wow. Same goes from same goes from mission statements. All right. So it let's does. get to the let's get to the core of, of today's conversation. I always start the podcast with a statement that does not apply today, uh, Brig, because what I always talk about is how nine times out of ten my guests uh, will agree with me that franchising is not intentional. It's not something that we raise ourselves out of, you know, the womb to grow up and become involved in franchising. Right. Um, right. In your in your case, you started a franchise when you were in high school, and your whole family got involved in the business. Tell us a little bit about winding the tape back to how this all began for you, and and what made you have that entrepreneurial vision, even to capture some quick spending money for yourself and your brother while you were kids. We were always uh, my parents were always grinders. I mean, they started out uh, blue collar, married very young, but they were always looking to get ahead. And they even had uh, income property, um, small homes that they would rent out and then fix back up and rent out again. And so work was always part of of what we did. Um, Melanie and myself would always have, um, you know, like lemonade stands or Melanie would always sell little knickknacks on the corner. I mean, she didn't play with dolls. That's what she did. And we we're the same way. So we always worked. Um, my first vehicle was a 66 Ford pickup truck. It was a $200 beater that came from uh, Michigan State University. It was an old agricultural truck. And that was the first vehicle I drove. And that was way before driving a truck was cool. Um, I was from a more uh, wealthy suburban area outside of Lansing. So all these kids were driving um, um, Trans Ams and other 
really cool vehicles their parents would buy them. I had an old 66 Ford. Um, but I soon realized, hey, we can haul our lawnmowers back there because we used to mow lawns. Um, we could do hauling jobs. And that's really kind of where it, it started. But I'll tell you, Stan, when people ask how two men in a truck started, I'll ask them back, how does a river start? Um, typically, it doesn't start from one area. It starts with many tributaries going into it. And so that was my tributary of bringing in my truck, uh, bringing in my friends and my brother. And then when I went off to college, uh, John, my brother John and his friend started doing it with their truck. Uh, my mom was watching this all along, getting kind of a kick out of it. Um, and then my mom had a, uh, she had a, a small store in Lansing. And what she would do is go to auctions and estate sales and buy furniture, uh, spit shine it up, and then resell it. Mm. at the store and so she would she had an old uh she bought a 14 foot step van to do that and so she told uh my brother and his friend you can use this truck uh, while i'm not using it and so that's how we started using that that truck then we started doing more moves like um you know use furniture delivery or you know apartments and small homes without any ramp on the truck without any pads i mean it was ridiculous but we did a really good job and John and I were pleasers. We made sure that when our friends worked on the trucks, that they were courteous, uh, that we would work hard and people loved us. And that's when we really started to realize the importance of those referrals, even at that early age. What year would that be, Brig? Oh my goodness. Um, probably in the, uh, I graduated from high school in 1981. So this is aging me a bit, but um, probably around uh, you know, like 79 to 83, somewhere in, in those times we were using uh, the truck. And, and uh, my mom came in and she, she loved the business. And there was a glass ceiling for female workers at the state of Michigan. Um, she could not move up any higher. Uh, and this was in the early 80s. And she had enough. She had worked there for 23 years. She cashed in all of her uh, qualified money or pension money. People thought she was crazy. Even her mom. Uh, grandma Eberly, and that's who is the pictures on our grandma rule. If you look that up, that's my grandma. <laughs> um, yeah, she she even said my mom was crazy. Um, and my mom jumped in full force with the business, and she incorporated the business in 85. And then Sister Melanie was the first franchise uh, in Atlanta, Georgia in 1989. So, um, so you know, some of those tributaries uh, were the work that I did with the 66 Ford. Then my brother came in. Then my mom came in. And then um, Melanie came in um, a little after being the first franchise for a few years, she moved back and uh, my mom was going to run for a state Senate seat. So she asked all those kids to come diving back into the business because it wasn't making any money. So Melanie worked as the president of Two Men in a Truck, the first president other than my mom uh, for a couple of years and and didn't get paid. And my brother ran our Lansing location along with his other two in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I came in um, a little bit later. My wife and I started our franchise in Marquette, Michigan. And then I moved down to help Melanie. And that was back in 1996. And she was so, still in, in it. She was in Atlanta then, or she had moved back? Oh, she had moved back. Right. Yep. She had moved back and started a franchise in Novi, Michigan, and then also helped my mom, um, you know, really started uh, starting into the franchising. And those are, those are the years that I first met your mom. And I mean, I remember 
my first years going to IFA conventions, I was um, I was the VP of Global Development at Blimpy Subs and Salads, and that would have been in in those mid ninety years. Yeah, I was there. And I was there. We have we have met before, Stan. Uh, I know I was, we have. Yeah, I was going to those meetings back then. Um, but it was funny. My my mom was speaking at an entrepreneurial class at Michigan State University. Um, this is before franchising. It was just we had the, the single franchise. The, the single store and this lady walked up and said, have you ever considered franchises? And my mom said, who would want a moving franchise? And this lady said, I'm a pet nanny. I take care of people's pets on vacation. I franchise. I think if I can, you can. <laughs> so that was what started it. And I think what your listeners have to understand, my mom was 46 years old, uh, did not have a college education, was scared to death to public speak. Um, you know, she worked her way up to a certain point up the state of Michigan because she could just sit there and work. Um, now she's pushed in front of the Chamber of Commerce. She, uh, she spoke with you. Or you've heard her speak at IFA conventions. She does not like to public speak. But just for some of your listeners out there, you have to put yourself in positions that you don't want to be in if you want to succeed. Um, you can't just do the things that you're good at. And my mom taught me that. Um, I hated the public speak. I passed out in college doing it. I mean, I just, but she told me, she goes, every opportunity that you have to speak, take it because it's practice and it's good. So I've spoke at um, assisted living <laughs> when I first started, uh, maybe 30 old people and about 29 of them would be asleep by the time I got done. <laughs> um, I was just so happy I didn't pass out. I wasn't sleeping with them. Um, but those are the things that you have to do and I look at my mom, um, just incredible, uh, what she did at, at that age when a lot of people are starting to look at where's my end, end game going. She threw herself into this business and she worked a couple of years without paying herself, living on ramen noodles. And she'll tell you it's the best time of her life. And I say, mom, you're crazy. And she goes, no, I love that. And I think people have to realize that if you're in this thing purely to make money, I find something else to do because it has to be um, a, a love to do it. I mean, you have to, um, you have to bring people in and there it has to be an adventure. It has to be an excitement starting a business. And if you want good people to follow you, you got to share the excitement, the adventure with them. And that's, I think one of the, the special sauces with two men in the truck is we've been able to do that. And we're talking about, Mary Ellen Sheets, uh, Brig Sorber's mom. Brig is our guest today, one of the founding children of Two Men in a Truck. It was two children in a truck in those early high school days, I guess. <laughs> yeah. but we're, talking, we're talking about the evolution of an incredible franchise brand. And Brig, you just hit on the thing that I think is the second most important ingredient to getting a franchise business started, which is passion. Um, money is important to you need money to make money, but if you don't bring your heart and your passion along for the ride, um, it will not be sustainable. And whether you're scared to speak publicly or not, um, people don't remember the words so much as they do how you make them feel. And when you're speaking with passion from the heart, people will remember what you say. So talk, talk more about that tradition of giving back because your company is so rich in that there are, I could spend an hour alone on the initiatives that you guys um, have woven into the fabric of the business uh, from movers for moms to movers for military 
for families with pets. Talk about some of this give back and how that drives the business. Well, I think too, it, it also goes back to franchising and, and why I think it works so well is that um, not having, you know, company stores in all these towns and not have, and not feeling the pulse of these communities. I mean, they're all different. And so if we can put franchises in there that, uh, you know, that support the schools, they go to church there, they support other local businesses, they know the fabric of, and the pulse of those locations. And so what we want to do is if we're going to make a living in these uh, communities, we have to give back to these communities. It's pretty simple, uh, actually quite biblical too. So um, just to, to give back, sometimes a customer needs to see that, wow, this company or this person is putting something else in front of their, in front of their desires. And I think that is, um, I think that, I think that that is key. And so we listen to our franchises and, 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 and we put programs together that we can all get involved in. And we do have trucks, which is huge, you know? And so you take a look at, you know, these hurricanes that happen. Um, you know, now we're working with uh, Convoy for Hope. It's an international group, a nonprofit that, that will get water and food and resources to certain places. And now we've plugged our, um, you know, 4,000 plus trucks into that. So. When you start seeing a lot of these things going on, like these hurricanes, you will see our trucks there. Um, movers for moms, how we're taking care of mothers, uh, right around Mother's Day. A lot of those are in maybe uh, mothers with uh, children that are in, um, you know, uh, assisted living. Uh, they're trying to get back on their feet. We get them uh, all kinds of supplies, uh, toiletries, all those things to make them feel good. Uh, so uh, we've been... Uh, the American Cancer Society for forever. We were part of that as well. So it's just a lot of different ways of, of giving back and um, corporations and businesses can get such a bad rap. And are, are there some bad ones out there? There is um, anything that the human hand touches. We have a tendency of screwing it up. Uh, but I think when people, hopefully when they, when they look at our brand, they can see that, no, they care about the community. And, you know, when you start these businesses stand, as you well know, you can't think about the almighty dollar first. That is just, you know, it, it, I, I've just seen it. I've seen even our franchisees do it where we have to drag them in a room and go, look, you're not looking at the important things, you know? Um, and so what, what we really need to do in, in this case is be a good steward for our industry, for the industry that, that you're going to be in. Um, be a strong uh, supporter of, of the community. Make Make sure that your employees are taken care of and watched over, the dollars will come from the back door. Don't look for them to come in the front door. And sometimes we have to be willing to take a loss here and there for, for, for the good of all. And really what I've found is that people are willing uh, to use us, even if they call up and we're you know, a few dollars more an hour. They're getting more than a moving company showing up at their door. They're getting a committed, business to the community and they want to support that so that's how that's how we leave it i I think it's kind of magical that when you stop and think about people who have a life-changing event that will cause them to need to move um, we'll typically go in the old days to the yellow pages current day to google and they'll start looking around for neighborhood references or recommendations about 
who to, who to use for something that's not an everyday occurrence in their life. And then mm-hmm. along, come, along comes a company like yours that whether or not I'm somebody who's going to move, I can't help but run into your name. Here in Atlanta, your trucks are ubiquitous. I mean, I see two men in a truck on as many street corners as I see bank branches. And whether or not I'm, I've got a need to move or not, there'd be no need, there'd be no question in my mind that I would know who to call if and when I did. Because, mm-hmm. because your visibility in this marketplace is extreme. And I guess in all these communities that we're talking about, if you're doing service to and for the communities that you're in, whether I need a mover or not, I'll sure know who is the person I want to do business with when the day comes. That's right. And also, too, just your employees um, at, at your locations, it empowers them. When they go in there to, uh, maybe it's uh, moving, um, sometimes we'll move uh, women out of hostile situations. Uh, we're moving people, you know, and, and we're doing, we do a lot of these things, you know, for free. Um, it empowers them because these people look at our movers, our frontline people of like, you just saved my life. I mean, you just, we didn't know what we were going to do. And a lot of times these movers or our frontline staff, they've never been treated like how we treat our customers. And so we want to put them in a position where, where they're looked at as, wow, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a Superman today. It's like, of course you are. Hmm. You know, we want, we want them to be engaged uh, with the customer, uh, with the community. And a lot of times a lot of our movers go, you don't have to pay me to do those things. I, I just want to do them. And um, so it's, there's a win-win for us. We get a lot out of it too. I, I mean, a lot. So when I, Listened to Mary Ellen Sheets and Melanie Bergeron from the front of the room and podium at IFA conventions and events and talking with the passion that they do. And I clearly hear it in your voice as well today, Brig. Um, it's easy to understand that you share vision, values, and ethics because you're aligned as siblings and mother and, and children. How do you convey that out? How do you assure how do franchisors that are listening and building their businesses, how do they assure that they are going to get that same value proposition communicated clearly to their franchisees and assure that their franchisees are going to do um, instill the same values into the employees on their teams? You have to share. I mean, you have, we have, um, we have an intranet site that only our, uh, franchisees and our frontline people can get on. And so they're sharing stories constantly of uh, people that we're moving. I mean, you have to understand like right now in this, this time of summer, we're moving, we're moving three people every minute of every hour of every day. Uh, we will do over 650,000 moves this year. And so when you move that many people, there are stories constantly. So you have to make sure that those are shared and so sharing those stories, we talk about core values. Remember, I, I, I thought that was mumbo jumbo with uh, core values and mission statement stuff. Well, it's not. And it's like, so we'll have um, a franchise say, well, this, you know, we showed uh, the grandma rule today. or we, we showed, you know, throw one of those out there and people are backing those up all the time. Um, so it's, it's making sure that, that, that you live those things. And not just as much tell them, okay? You can, any, any of your listeners, when they start off and put a poster of really cute things up there, if your franchisees don't see you doing it, 
but they don't feel that you're doing it, um, they're just going to think it's crap. And it's like, so you have to make sure that you're doing those things. And so we are always having fun. We have fun competitions with our franchises at our, um, you know, we have a, an annual meeting each year that it's not mandatory that you go, but we get 96% of our franchises that go. Why, why would they go if they didn't have to? They go because it's, it truly is a family reunion. I mean, we got some nut, nut bars that are franchisees of ours, um, just like you would aunts and uncles, right? Um, but there are nut bars. And, and so it's like a family. And, um, and I tell them all at our annual meeting, I go, we all got a screw loose here, people. I said, we don't take anybody that's not successful. Many of you people are CPA, more CPAs, teachers, doctors, Maytag repairman. Um, that became franchisees. Who in the world thought that they would have a moving franchise? <laughs> and and you know, I, I I tease the guys too, and when I go speak with the movers, they shut the trucks down, and me and the president Randy will go visit. I'll say, raise your hand if it was your goal to be a mover. Like, wow, I don't see any hands. Nobody, none of these guys, your goals to be a mover. Like when you were kids, you didn't play out in the yard, like cops and robbers and cowboys and Indians, you didn't raise your hand and say, it's my turn to be the mover. And, uh, but we talk about the adventure of the business. We talk about having fun in the business. We talk about helping people in, in the business. If it was just about moving furniture, Stan, I can't think of a crappier way to make a living. Really? <laughs> I mean, well, it's hard. I've done it for years. I've been behind that. I mean, I've been in the back of that truck since I was 32 years old and, um, but when it comes to um, making the, the relationships uh, with the customers um, and just the camaraderie uh, with the other movers and helping out the communities, we are not just a moving company. Uh, you know, we, I really think that we could take our system of how we train um, and we're, I think that we could take moving out. We could put house painting in, you know what I mean? We could put, cleaning in um I, I think we would be just as successful when we come back from our break i want to unpack that a little bit further and talk about those things that you do to because it's the question i asked a moment ago and we're going to go deeper into it how do you assure that you continue to keep that culture intact when you've got people hundreds and thousands of miles away that you're giving responsibility and charge for not just your secret sauce and your your trademark sure. but but your culture. We'll be back to talk about that in just a minute. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified too with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. 
FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Uh, Brig, thanks for being patient while we paid some bills. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> we all have to do it. So let's let's talk about that because you know, it, in any franchise company, it's you know compliance is an important thing, and it's important enough that when you when you're needing compliance to your brand standards and to your uh, your trademarks and proper use of recipes and formulas, but here you've got this intangible piece that requires, I think, some pretty intense uh, discretion when when selecting. So let's talk a bit about the selection process first and foremost. Who do you look for and how, when you say you've got CPAs and people from professions, how do, you, how do you find those right people and get the right conversation going with them? Oh, my gosh. Well, I can tell you this because we learned why we've grown to how we've grown is we've learned from a lot of our mistakes and we used to get so excited about bringing anybody in um, when we were franchising, but you really have to know what you're looking for. And so it's important when you bring a new franchise in is to, uh, you need to be very open. Um, some of them come in actually with rosy colored glasses. Like this, like my neighbor did this. We, this is a perfect example. I had a, fr- uh, a franchise that just came out of the gate, did wonderful, and uh, added trucks, uh, added satellite locations. Uh, he had his boat in a marina. In the next year, he had a boat twice the size. So his neighbor comes over and goes, I want a franchise. And we're like, oh, well, how'd you hear about us? Oh, we heard from Mike, uh, so-and-so. It's like, oh, okay. What made you want it based on what you know from Mike? Goes, oh, my gosh, he got a boat twice the size of mine. Well, you know, that's a red flag. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, we'll explain what this is all about. But the process that we put together of bringing them in purposely is uh, very bureaucratic, step by step, but it's also a hidden test. Can this person follow these directions? And many times, you know, if they don't follow them properly, we send them back to the start again. And some of them uh, will work their way through and get through it. Some of them just start screaming and get mad. And it's like, well, you're probably not for us. And I tell them, back as I was franchise development for many years uh, before I became president and CEO, um, I would sit them down and say, I don't want to sound condescending, but we don't need you. And they just look at me and I just, we don't need you. We're wildly successful now. Our goal right now is to get our existing franchises to get more people and more trucks. I do think that we'll be better with you, but I just want you to know that we don't need you. Mm. And, 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 and what I found, Stan, is a lot of times I see their shoulders drop in the fact of not of being depressed, but like, oh, I'm not going to be sold here. And I don't want them to feel so to be sold. I said, look, we're going to be married. Our agreements are for, for five years. I want to stay married. <laughs> so we have to make sure we understand each other and, um, and that you're in this you know, for the right reasons. And here I want you to call, you know, here's the. You know, it's like, here's the offering circular. I want you to take this whole thing. I want you to, I want you to call all the franchises in. All of them? Yeah. <laughs> As a matter of fact, 
I want you to call. Here's five more that aren't on there that left because they were angry. <laughs> Why are you doing this? And I went, because maybe, maybe you'd leave, leave for the same reasons they left. My attorney later told me not to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I just want them to know. And by doing that, you're not, it just shows that you're like, it's like anti-selling. Right. And it's like, and in that thing is, is it, it, I don't know. I, it just, it felt, I felt more empowered when they had all the information that, uh, that they needed. And I'd ask them, you know, you can ask me questions you want, ask them this one, you know, um, are, are they glad they did it? Um, if they had it all over again, would, would they do it again? And it, and ask them for two or three things that they wish they could change, but we just wouldn't allow them to change. I want you to have those kind of conversations with them. And then I want you to call me back, and then, and then let's talk more about, about that. And um, what they found really was the franchises, for the most part, were very, very pleased. Um, they would talk, because it's hard. All franchising is hard. And that's really what I'm trying to get them to know, that there is no silver bullet out there. Because I tell them, these prospective franchisees, if you find something that's easy, oh, not only do it, but please tell me about it. I'd love to find easy money. You know, if that's what you're looking for, you're not going to find that here. Um, and I think the more open that you are with them, um, that you find out why they want to make these changes. Um, you find out what their pluses and minuses are, like what they bring, what, you know, Hey, what, you know, what's your weakness. And when they open up I found when we did that, we stopped selling, but more sharing information, making sure it was a good fit. We had a lot more success. How many of your franchisees are um, multi-unit and have come back for second and third bites of the apple, Bray? Oh, several. Um, and that's part of the evolution of franchising. So I remember the first one that wanted another one. It's like, do they do that? I mean, we didn't know anything about I mean, We were learning as we're going. Um, now we've got franchises that have, uh, you know, 15, 16, 17 locations now. Wow. Um, and, and several of those started out as movers that became managers, um, that, you know, they didn't have college educations, but they used two minute truck as their, as their education. They learned, um, how, they they come with, and I tell the movers this, you guys come stacked with good information already. You know what motivates movers. You you know how to take care of customers. When you get somebody that has uh, their MBA in business and gets a two-minute truck franchise, they're going to get kicked in the teeth on that side. Nobody gets a free ride here. I mean, everybody's going to learn something, you know. And so you guys come with something. You know, you have to learn finance. You have to learn some IT. Um, but guess what? You can hire people like that. That's why they went to school. So um, we've got a lot of very successful franchises that never went to college, um, that learned on the trucks. Um, they love the job. They love the work. They love the camaraderie with the guys. And then we have uh, programs at our office. We have over 400 online classes that our frontline people can take for free. And they, they can get different certifications. Every mover that we have, and we'll, we have over 7,000 employees right now, um, but all those movers on the trucks and all the CSRs, they get graded by every single customer. And we're sitting right now at about 96.5% referral rate system-wide. But each mover is, how is their cleanliness? 
what was their work attitude? What did their uniforms look like? So I tell those guys, you guys work for one of the top moving companies in the world. How good would that be to put on your resume that your numbers are higher than, than this company's average? <laughs> we, put, we put together a resume building kit for them uh, online. Because uh, we tell them, this is, this is a career step for you. Hopefully that you make your career here with two men in a truck, but if not, let's build your resume here. And all of a sudden they're, they, they perk up. They're not just lumpers on the truck anymore. Oh, I mean, I'm actually building something here. Yeah. Building your life. But I also tell them too, um, if you want to make this happen, you have to do it. Nobody's going to walk you through this, you know, and you are responsible for yourself. Nobody else. Nobody owes you a damn thing. I tell them that right in their face. Mom, dad, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, they don't owe you a damn thing. Local, state, federal government owe you nothing. Two men in the truck owes you nothing. God owes you precisely nothing. So look in the mirror every morning. Take a look at what you have, what you can do to build your careers. And that's on you. You have to do that. We're here to help. We're, we're not going to walk you through this by holding your hand. And uh, trust me, I cleaned up that when I just said this to you. <laughs> the movers because I get I get emotional on it. And I, without fail, I'll get two or three that walk up afterwards. Say, I just needed to hear that. I said it's liberating, isn't it? That nobody can hold you down. And I tell them, I said, you watch who you hang out with. Who are your friends? What do you talk about? What music do you listen to? Start feeding your mind <clears throat> good things and not junk. Otherwise, this is what you're going to end up with. And um, I don't know. That is like, to me, is the importance of getting, uh, getting these guys with their heads screwed on right and looking at knowing what an opportunity looks like. So you're bringing these people up from within the organization who have started with you um, on the trucks and have grown mm-hmm. into, into positions and, and and have grown their characters along the way. What about from the outside when you bring people in that you've that haven't had the benefit of having a Dutch uncle like you to <laughs> to help set them straight? How do you yeah. how do you how do you select from the outside when you bring people in and share that with our audience of emerging franchisors making those decisions or trying to make the best of those decisions every day? Yeah, it's really um, getting in their mindset of uh, why, why they want to come, uh, what, what are their goals, why are they leaving their other job? Because maybe what you find out is, geez, you're going to run into that here, you know? Um, and then getting them to talk with the other franchises as much as we can. Yeah, because they, a lot of people coming in and think, oh my God, they're giving me a sales, a sales job here. That's why I said, call them all. Here, call this one, <laughs> especially. I've done that a few times. Um, you know, because it's, it's somebody maybe that I just had an argument with that's that's really upset. Like, call that one, see what they have to say. Um, but it's, um, and then once we have these conversations and, you know, we talk, obviously, right, got to talk about money. I mean, it's important. But we're, what I really try to inflect is, and especially I'm not in franchise development anymore, but, but the people that run franchise development is let's find their compassion. Let's find their passion, their compassion. Uh, what's important to them. Let's find where, um, you know, we really have to get them to understand that the finances come in the back door. They don't come in the front. I mean, 
one of the reasons why franchising is so successful is we know where the pitfalls are. Uh, can they trust us? Do they know that they've got a voice? Um, you know, so we have a team. Um, it's like a, an outside, a group of franchises that we talk to once a month on the phone. We get get with them twice a year, talk about issues with franchising. So we, we want them to talk with the team members um, and just really open things up. And it's um, it's interesting to get that good blood. I mean, to your point, Stan, we have multi-units. Most of the sales that we have right now are to our multi-units um, because they've got great managers in place. They'll call and go, oh my gosh, this manager is so good. I, I need another franchise. I don't need one, mm-hmm. but I don't want to lose him or her. Um, tell me what's open in these areas. It's to the point, and I actually I kicked around in the meeting, do we stop selling or awarding franchises outside people we don't know anymore that's because, an amazing an amazing place to be and i i said well because we also have what we call the, the the mary ellen scholarship award and what that is is we'll take uh we'll take a franchise every year uh, a franchise has to um bring the name of a manager that, that they think could run their own moving their own franchise and they got a lot of hoops to jump through. They have to write an essay of what they've done, why they think they would be good at it. Um, this this group of people take, um, they have to do classes uh, every month. Uh, they have homework every month that they're working on. And not only still doing their job at their local franchise, uh, but they're on uh, webinars. Um, they're doing homework. We're looking at it. And then at the end, we take uh, the top three we bring them in. They have to speak. They have to stand up in front of us and say why, why they think they would be good. It's amazing. And I'm looking at by the time we get these people in, these are better than any outside, um, outside oh, franchise no no that we could get with, without a question. And so it was so good. And then what we would do is we would pay uh, half of their costs to get going. And uh, typically the franchise would would help them out with the other part of it. And then they would have a, you know, like a buyout where they would be their own franchise. And we had one lady that was a borderline homeless uh, five or six years ago that came in for a job, uh, ended up just doing phenomenal. She was a customer service rep. She answered the phones. Um, she was, all of a sudden she became the head of the, of, of the um, CSRs. This is a huge franchise. It's our largest franchise that we have in St. Louis. And she won the, uh, the Mary Ellen Scholarship Award. She has her own franchise. That is an amazing story. Brig, we could go on for, for a lot more time than time will allow. But we're getting to that mm-hmm. place where I can't let you go without asking you two more quick questions. And this has to be a, like a lightning round. Um, okay. is, there, is there anything at all that I should have asked you and didn't that you wished that I did? Um, I'll tell you what, and I'll really quickly here is uh, my faith plays a huge role in, in two men in a truck. And, and, um, I have found Christ through this business and I share it and uh, I pray about a lot of the decisions that I make. And I just want to share that because you have to understand, I don't have a business degree. I've got a geography degree from Northern Michigan university, urban planning and land use regulation. <laughs> so I, uh, I found my faith. I, I, I rely on my faith and I, 
and that walks that walks in front of me in the office and has made a huge difference in my life and this business. And it's evident in listening to you speak, Brig. Can you share with the audience how they can find you and learn more about you, the person, and two men in a truck and the opportunities that you offer? Well, they could they could go to our website at www.twomenintheTruck.com. I am in the process of writing a book. Um, the rough draft is done. Uh, that's what I was working on before you and I got together today. Um, and that should be out probably, um, I'm guessing, in January. And so I'm excited to get that out. An email address? Talk about you, some, in, in, in more detail about some of the things you and I talked about. An email address or some way for people to find you personally? Um, that would be... Um, uh, Brig Sorber, uh, brig.sorber at twomanatruck.com. B-R-I-G dot S-O-R-B-E-R, correct? Yep, yep, at two, at men, two, in a tr- men, or two men in the truck or two men.com. Either one will get you there. Brig, this has been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I wish we had another hour, and maybe we'll bring you back for another hour because I don't even think we've touched the surface of all the things that we could talk about. And... Clearly, while I've known Mary Ellen and your sister Melanie for a whole lot longer and a lot more closely than I've known you, the apple and the tree and your family all fall and stay close to one another. It's very evident to me. Thanks so much well, for joining us today. Hey, Stan, I appreciate it. Thank you for your, your, your questions. Um, this is a really good interview. I appreciate it. I appreciate you as well. And uh, thank you again on behalf of our audience. Briggs Sorber, Chief Brand Officer, he has worn almost all the hats that you can possibly uh, juggle through the years of starting two men in a truck as a high school kid with his brother, John, um, and then going through the chairs of responsibility and ownership and now serving as the company's chief brand officer with a great deal of passion in his heart. We'll be back next week talking with a friend of mine from up north, um, Angela Cote, who's going to be talking a lot about growing up inside of a franchise business with a, a company called M&M Meats, which her family started uh, over 500 units coast to coast in Canada. And Angela now acts as a consultant helping emerging brands uh, learn the ropes that she came up with and as part of a franchise family, the first family of franchising in Canada. Angela Cote next week right here on Franchise Today. Remember to subscribe to us on Blog Talk Radio. Download us any place that Podcasts are found, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher. Um, You can even ask Alexa these days to play the latest episode of Franchise Today, and she'll be happy to do it for you. And also remember to like us on Facebook. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes.